and welcome to The Executive Appeal, a show that convenes the world's most powerful and successful leaders to share mentoring and career advancement advice to help you successfully transition into senior level executive positions. I'm your host, Alex Trimble, award-winning speaker, author, and leadership expert with over a decade of experience coaching and advising some of our nation's most senior level government leaders. So if you're ready to reach your goals, let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trimble, and this is the Executive Pill Podcast. As you know, along with all of our speaking, consulting, and service, all of, of all the services, you know what? I have to just say, I, I think I think I'm a bit excited today, actually. <laughs> you know, this doesn't happen, but the, the leader we have for today's show, I, I just been I've been following her for such a long time, and and so interested, and so just the, the passion that she brings to the table. I am just been just excited about today. So I, I know you're you're getting excited now that I'm getting excited. We're going to do this. But we're, I got, still got to make it to the introduction. So let's go. As you know, this show, along with all of our speaking, coaching, and consulting, consulting services, are laser focused on helping organizations prepare high-performing leaders from all backgrounds to successfully transition to and excel in senior VP and VP level positions. So if you and your organization are interested in developing a highly diverse and effective executive leadership team, then one, you are in the right place. And two, we encourage you to reach out to us at gpsleadership.org or reach out to us at team at gpsleadership.org today. Also, as you know, The Executive Pill is now one of the top 5% most popular shows in the world, and this didn't happen by accident. It was you who made this happen, and it'll be you who determines the continued success of this show. So please do us the favor. And y'all have been doing this. I will say that y'all have been doing it. Please click, please click the like, the subscribe, the comment, share your thoughts and your ideas and your questions in the comment section, because all of that interaction helps the algorithm and helps get more and more people see and benefit from the, the information, the stories, the encouragement that is shared via this show. And finally, the book, the phenomenal book, Relationships That Work, is now available on Amazon.com. But with no further ado, can I say... Today is a good day. See, today we have the always amazing, the always awesome, the always phenomenal Miss um, Adrian Tremble. No relation as we know of yet anyways. Miss um, Adrian currently serves as the Vice President and Chief Diversity Officer at Cisco Corporation. And prior to that, again, this is why I've been so excited. She has served as a VP for um, Chief Diversity Officer at uh, uh, Herndon Directors Institute, yes, and Chief Executive Officer at the National Minority Supplier um, Development Council. So, I mean, she just has a wealth of knowledge and, and the, the ideas and stories she's going to bring to the table today, I'm just giddy to listen to. So with no further ado, how are you doing today, madam? I'm doing fantastic today. It's Friday. It's a great day. So all is good. <laughs> it, is it though? So, you know, we, we say that Friday is a great day, but I'm just going to jump into this. Uh, today's been a little rough day for me. So last week, I went and uh, visited my, my grandmother. Uh, and so she can introduce him, I can introduce her to my, my great, my son. Now he met his great grandmother, which is pretty wonderful and beautiful and awesome. What I realized though, was that I had never gone to my grandfather's funeral site. He passed away, beautiful, phenomenal guy. He passed away during, um, during COVID, the first few months of COVID. And so I wasn't there for his him being sick. I wasn't there for, for uh, his funeral. And I wasn't there for any of that family stuff. And so while I was out there now, it was two, almost three years later, 
um, I asked my auntie, okay, auntie, where's his funeral site? Where's the burial site so I can go visit him? And as we were driving, I was like, you know, auntie, um, I, I don't know why, if I really want to do this. I feel like I'm doing this because I'm supposed to. And my auntie then chimed in. She said, Alex, you know, this will be the first time since his funeral that I've gone to his gravesite because the same thing. She said, Alex, you know, I actually feel guilty sometimes that I'm not going to his gravesite. Because I talk to my dad all the time. I, I pray and talk to him. I said, I do the same thing because my grandfather and I are really close. Um, but we both felt this, this like guilt that we should be visiting the gravesite. So we go there, we visit, and immediately, this is not my thing. I, I feel a type of way. I, I don't feel good standing over my grandfather's remains. And I tell my auntie as we leave, I'm like, you know, I'm probably never going to do this again. And she says the same thing. So my, my question for you to start off this Friday, <laughs> this wonderful Friday, is why do you think that we can feel so, so guilted in the doing things that we don't really want to do, but we do them because we think other people believe that we should be doing it? You, you know what I'm saying? I do. And I think a lot of that has to do with, frankly speaking, the way we were raised, right? You know, we were raised to always do what is right, to, to pay our respect in ways. And because of those, those teachings that we received when we were young, they just carry over with us throughout life. So unfortunately, or it could be seen as unfortunate, you do sometimes do things because you are expected to do them versus really wanting to do them. But for yeah. me, at least when I'm in those positions and I follow my instinct and what I've been raised to do, I usually feel good having done what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how do you know the difference? So this is this is where it gets in that leadership role, right? Like if if someone wants to I've met so many people who felt they were supposed to be a doctor, they were supposed to be a lawyer. They were meant to be just this level within the organization because that's what their parents told them. or That's what they they think they're that they're only worth this much. How do you know that it's it's you staying there or doing that because it's you or it's because you feel like society is telling you this is where you should be? So for me, it's usually about if I feel conflicted, right? So if it's something that I'm supposed to do, I won't feel that sense of, of being conflicted internally. Yeah. And, you know, as I think about that, and I was thinking about it as I was preparing for this discussion today. You know, one of the things that really that really always guides me, it's about doing what's right for me. And usually that goes back to who I am as an individual. But when I think about the impact that it may have on other people, I do take that into consideration because, you know, we don't live in a society where we're in a bubble. We do live in a society where we have influences and impact, particularly when you're in a leadership role on others. So thinking about how that, how, you know, knowing the difference between doing what's right and doing what's expected, to me, those are very, two very different principles. And I tend to follow the one of doing what's right. And hopefully it will help impact those who are either watching, learning, or observing my behaviors because people do learn from those that they see and that they respect and that they admire. I mean, I mean look, you're, you're so true, right? I mean, th th this is why we started this podcast is because we know that people learn from those people. We see the, the modeling, the reality. I, I tell this is super you know, weird story. Maybe it's a little childish. But regardless of what political side you're on, I still remember when President Obama was elected President Obama, I, I was jogging up the steps and I imagined myself as him. 
Like I before that piece at that point, I never thought of myself as being a president, right? And so, you know, whether you see um, people who are African-American or Latino or someone with disabilities or whatever it may be, when, when they see someone like them in certain spaces, I think it does open their, their minds to what's possible. Um, so then how do you, oh, let me ask you a question. How did you think what you've accomplished was possible? What, what opened your mind, you, 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 your, your imagination to, to, to be and become the, the woman you are today? It's interesting that you asked that because I remember when I, I have a very non-traditional background. I wasn't that person who graduated from high school, did four years in undergrad, then did graduate school, then went into the workforce. When I turned 18, I pretty much had to figure out how I was going to take care of myself. I didn't come from that kind of background where I had the ability to to um, have that, that map laid out for me. Yeah. So a lot of lessons I learned while working, while I was going to school because I had to do both. But what I learned on the journey is that I would see people who were in positions where I was thinking, well, how did they get there? What did they, what did they do? What was their role? What was their journey? And understanding that helped me to see that they're no smarter than me. They're no better than me. I will outwork anyone. So I had a strong work ethic. And I knew that as long as I worked hard and I studied and I learned that I could do anything I wanted to do. I remember there was a time when I was young, I was sitting at home watching the television show Hotel. You're probably way too young to remember that show. <laughs> it was about a luxury hotel. And I was sitting there watching it with my mom, who was a single mom at the time. Um, and I said, I would love to be able to work in a hotel like that. And she looked at me and she said, why work in a hotel? Why not own one? So she instilled in me very early on that I could do anything that I set my mind to. And yeah. that, that stayed with me. So when I started getting into the workforce and I started seeing people, I kept thinking, hmm, they're no smarter than I am. I work hard. So there is nothing that's off limits. And that's what really helped to propel me to different opportunities throughout my career. <laughs> you, you know, it was so funny because I, that was, I honestly feel like that was my opening into it as well. My, my first, my first a quote unquote adult job was managing the, the executive leadership development program for the U.S. Department of the Interior. I was I was given an opportunity when I was 23 years old, made no sense. When I looked around, like, yeah, these people are smart, but I mean, they're not all rocket scientists. Like, I, I, I could do this. Like, you know, and that opened to my mind, but I saw so many people around me who were like in reverence of, oh my God, they are just gods, you know, you know. The, the bee's knees. I could never be that. I could never be up there. So let me just stay here where it's safe, where I belong. And, you know, helping people get out of that mindset. Again, not one is better than the other, but just knowing that that you are, if you would like to, you could, you know, and I think that, that could be difficult for some people to make that transition. Exactly. You know, I've had the, the fortunate ability to meet a lot of people on my journey. And I can honestly say there have probably been only three people that I've met that I've been somewhat intimidated by when I met them. That is President Obama, First Lady Michelle Obama, <laughs> and Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> yeah. Now, those are the only three <laughs> because, you know, everything else to me is achievable. And even if I, you know, think about it, even, you know, other things could still be achievable. But it's just interesting that we limit ourselves based on our own thought process versus just believing in what we can do and just going for it. You know, we, we always, especially as women, we tend to question ourselves, question our, our abilities, question our confidence. 
And that's where I had to really learn and lean into it and say, it's not being arrogant, being okay with my confidence. It's okay to be confident because that's going to help me be able to accomplish the goals I'm trying to accomplish. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to push back and you're, you're, you're going to see where I'm going with this. Uh, I'm a push back because I feel like you should just be honest when you when you apply for a job, when you when you apply for an opportunity. If the opportunity says that you need 100 percent of these things, that you darn well should have 100 percent of these things. I don't care that the men over there are saying that they got it, even though they only got 60 percent. I am doing the right thing by taking myself out of the running for this because it's the right thing. It, it, that, that's that's what I believe. Should, that's that's right, right? Like that's what you should. <laughs> I'm gonna push back. No, that's not right. <laughs> no, it's not right. I can't think of anyone who I can when I think of the roles and people that I've met on my journey that checked all the boxes because you have to account for potential, right? You have to account for, for potential, other experiences that might not be might not be listed, and that's what we limit our thinking. We limit our yeah. own possibilities, our own opportunities because we are not thinking beyond what you just see on the paper on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have to believe in your own potential. You know, I, I, the same way I, my, my old, my old boss, um, he told me something that was really cool. He said, I was applying for a job. I was a chief of staff. So I'm applying for this chief of staff job, actually. No, I was a chief of staff. Sorry. And I was applying for um, this, this chief, uh, uh, chief culture and communications officer job. And I was like, man, I don't know if I can do this. He's like, are you, are you sure? Are you, you sure you can't do this? You, I'm like, I don't know. It's just a big leap. He said, Okay, then that this means it's the right opportunity for you. <laughs> he said, if you are applying for a job and you are sure and you're confident you can do it, then it's not the right job. It's not big enough yet. <laughs> exactly. If your dreams don't scare you, they are not big enough. That's, that's <laughs> one of the, the, the quotes that I always remember that I believed in. And I remember when I was earlier in my career, you know, I came up through the, the human resources discipline. I was in Staffing, employment, organization development, those types of roles. Mm-hmm. And I was working for a company that had a very strong focus on development. And what they meant by that is that they would take you and put you into a completely unfamiliar business discipline to help you learn other mm-hmm. skills. And so I was approached about, okay, we need to look at your development. We have this role that we want to consider you for that's in supplier diversity. I yeah. knew nothing about supplier diversity, not a thing about it. And so I said, okay, it's a two-year assignment. You can take it on and learn some different skills. Well, that two-year assignment turned into a complete career change for me and completely changed my entire career trajectory. But I was afraid to make that move because I knew nothing about it. I had no exposure. I had no understanding of what what that role was comprised of. And I was talking to one of my mentors and she said, I said, do you think I should do this? Because if I leave HR... I might be pulled off of the fast track for, you know, continue my career growth. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and she said, run. Yes, you need to take that job. Yes, you need to do this. You're staying in your comfort zone and you need to, you need to push yourself. That was the best advice that she could have given me because that's what helped me to take that leap. And that's how I ended up actually transitioning out of HR into the broader role of DEI. Are you ready to bring your DEI efforts to the next level? Introducing Alex Tremble, a professional speaker who combines expertise and entertainment to create an unforgettable experience for DEI professionals and organizing staff. With a focus on leadership, mentorship, and relationship building, Alex is dedicated to helping organizations attract, develop, and retain diverse and high-qualified leaders. 
From the 12 pillars of an effective mentoring relationship to the seven must-have leadership skills, Alex provides practical advice that can be immediately implemented. Don't miss out on the opportunity to have Alex at your next event. Contact team at alextrimble.com to book the speaker who will take your organization's diversity and inclusion journey to new heights. I mean, but it's so weird because if you look back on your life and on your career, it probably makes sense why you're why you're you're at you're why you're at right where you are right now. But when you're going through your life, you're like, I don't know if this is going to help. You know, this is going to take me the wrong direction. Like it, it, they always say, you know, um, what is it? Hindsight is 2020. It's almost like you got to have some faith, right? You got to have the faith that whatever you're doing, whatever you're engaging in, you are going to grow. You're going to learn regardless of what it is. And you'll be able to apply those learning, those experiences, those relationships you build to whatever is next in your life, you know? Exactly. My my mindset has always been if the door opens, I'm going through. You do not just want to do this. Sorry about that. Um, that was all, that's always been my my thought process. If the door opens, I'm going through because that means it's meant for me to be there. So yeah. because that, you know, if that door is open, if that opportunity is presented, I'm going to make the best out of it. And there have been some that, you know, I thought, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I shouldn't, you know, you know, second guessing was that the right, yeah. right position, the right timing. But to me, it all if it works out, it's all a learning experience. It's all a learning opportunity. You just take that and you put it into your, your tool bag of experiences and you carry it forward. You, you, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, again, everyone who's, who's a, a regular show knows about my little boy and how, how darn cute he is. Um, he has been, he's taught me a lot recently. And one of the things he taught me is to, um, Alex, stop judging um, because before I was a parent, I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Oh, you didn't do that. Like, for, for example, like when he got him home from the hospital, we're like, well, we're not going to give him a pacifier. We want him to be a self-soothe. You know, we don't need a pacifier. Man, did he get that pacifier so fast? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the other day, you know, because again, I, I normally like, you know, listen to audio books and reading and things like that. But sometimes I want to relax and I watch some anime. And I had him on my lap. I was watching the anime show and my wife's like, Alex, look at him, look at him. I'm like, what? I look at him. He, he's just staring at the TV. I'm like, oh my God, we said no screen time. So I said to say, like, how do you, I'm going to put something on the table. It is very easy to critique a leader at the next level for what you believe they should have done or what you would do in that situation. Um, but the reality is that you are not in that situation and you don't know the full context of what's going on. There may be information that, 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 that is guiding that person to make different decisions. How do you, how do you encourage in people to, or do you encourage people to, to consider, um, you know, hold, withholding judgment um, from leaders who are making decisions? Because you just don't know how, what's really going on in that, in that situation. Absolutely. I think about my time when I was with the National Minority Supplier Development Council. That was probably the most complicated, complex role that I have ever had in my entire career. Also, the most probably the most rewarding role that I've ever had in my entire career. And when you're sitting in that type of position where you are advocating on behalf of thousands of minority business owners, you're leading 23 regional councils, you are managing thousands of corporate members and their needs for minority businesses to help with their supply chain needs. 
you have a lot of pieces of data that's coming at you. Yeah. No one understands how you make decisions in a very quick manner with limited information that could have significant impacts on other people downstream. And so what I learned from that is exactly what you said. Until you sit in that seat, you don't understand how those decisions are made. And I would always tell people, until you sit in that seat, you don't understand all the different pieces of data and information that you have to take through to understand. So that's how I coach people. Until you sit in that seat, you need to reserve judgment because you don't know the path that they're walking, the data that they're looking at, the challenges they have to overcome, the obstacles that are in their way. Getting from all these different, as I call them, all the A personalities that wanted you to do things a certain way. You have to be able and be comfortable knowing that you're going to probably piss off a large part of your constituency. constituency. But as long as that goal is being accomplished that you need to get, because at the end of the day, you're trying to take care of those minority business owners, that was what mattered to me. So that's what I try to tell folks. Don't judge until you sit in that seat. Look, preach. And, and you said something else. I got to underscore it. You said that you're going to probably piss off a whole lot of people. I think that's part of the job is at some point when you get to a certain level, regardless of what decision you make, there is going to be a, a constituency who wants the other side. Um, and if, 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 you, if you're so focused on, yes, you should absolutely do everything yeah. you can to, to bridge the gaps and so on and so forth. But at some point, you got to make a decision. And if you aren't willing to make a decision because you're worried about people not liking you, um, then you can't be an effective leader in that regard either, seems like. Exactly. I had, to, I had to establish for myself, it was called the 80% rule. If I had 80% of the people on board, we were moving forward. It was 85%, but that was just way too hard. So I had to drop it down to 80. It was still a B in my mind. It's still a B. So I can go with the B. But if I had 80% of the people on, on board, we're moving forward because we're never going to get 100%. If that's just unrealistic thinking. But at the end of the day, you have to make sure that you have built enough of, of advocacy of people who are on board with your decision, but you're never going to get the whole 100%. you got to be okay with that because we're not in business to be liked. My role is to be respected and for my decisions to be respected and for people to understand why I made the decisions that I made, not yeah. to be like. Man, I feel like uh, Kirk Franken right now because like, preach, preacher. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I hope some other people get that reference too because you and I got it. Uh, <laughs> so I, I'd love to just ask you, uh, uh, go in a slightly different direction really quickly. Um, and this is a more direct route. So th th this this show is specifically for individuals who, who are eyeing those senior leader executive level positions. Um, and you happen to be a senior leader executive level person. <laughs> so what, in your essence, what advice, what do you think, let's, again, let's take hard work off the table because everyone has to work hard, that's, that's a given. What do you believe differentiates that person who, who wants to become the senior executive versus the person who becomes the senior executive. So what I'm going to say is probably not going to be very popular, but I'm going to say it. And I'm going to say it because it worked for me. Those who are looking to get to that next level, you, you have to be willing to do what others are not willing to do. Mm. That may mean taking on an additional assignment to solve a specific problem for the next leader that is in addition to your already very steep workload. That might mean having to forego taking off because you need to go to your child's game, but you have a project that's due and you know it's important and that leader is counting on you to get it done. 
knowing how to balance, okay, maybe I can take another time off that can be, that won't be as impactful. It's really being willing to do what others are not willing to do. It's taking on those extra assignments. It's, it's, it's making the, going that extra mile. It's understanding and anticipating the needs of your boss and bringing forward solutions before they even ask for it. That's what makes the difference. And you make yourself kind of invaluable in that way. And then you become the go-to person. Now, being the go-to person, it's a lot because you have not just your own job and then you've created expectations from others who think that they can count on you and they will, you know, people, who, who, how's you, how are you really rewarded? You're rewarded with more work. That's unfortunately, you get, you get more work. But if you are trying to, you know, climb your career, your career ladder, you take all those extra assignments because then you learn something that others don't learn. You get experiences and exposures that others don't get. You get in rooms that other people don't get into because you are solving problems. You are anticipating needs. You are doing what others are not willing to do. The payoff is long term. And I know that's not a popular saying because in this day and age, it's about work-life balance, flexibility, you know, being able to, to, to manage all the things that you have. If you can figure that out and still figure out ways that you can take on extra work and solve additional problems that are outside your scope because you're trying to position yourself for that next level, you should be writing a book because you need to tell everybody else how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly speaking, I just have not. But, you know, and it is, it's taking that. And I have, I've told people this who've worked on my team when they ask me, what do I need to do to get ready for the next level? You have to, you have to start performing at the next level before you get there. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't get promoted and then you do the role. You start doing the role well in advance. So then it just becomes more of a natural transition to that next position. I I cannot agree with you anymore. I mean, if, if I literally cannot agree with you anymore. Everything you just said, I I believe is hundred percent hundred percent spot on. And you know, I, I talk about my book, relationships that work. The, 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 the idea of working for free, like there's a lot of people who say, well, I'm not working for free. You know, you got to pay me to do this extra stuff. You can be compensating me. To do this. But the reality is the people who get into those roles are the people who did that extra work. Those people who got those extra skills. Because here's the reality is because you're not working for free. You're still learning. You're still growing. You're still developing relationships. You're still getting experiences. You're getting in the room. Like you said, in the room. She, really quickly, I just have to, you know, do this. She was in the room with Michelle Obizzi. Sorry, Obama. Obizzi is a little, what we, what we call her, you know. Um, she was, come on now. You're not just doing your job and be in those rooms. Now, again, I believe you have to do your job, but it's that extra that sounds like you're saying, it's that extra that differentiates you from the others. Exactly. It's the, it's the extra. It's the extra and it's the above and beyond what you are being asked to do. And I think that's where some people don't understand and they're thinking, you know, they're waiting for someone to just give them this. You've got to be anticipating what those needs are. And sometimes it might not pan out. You might work on a problem that you think you're solving and it might be the wrong problem. They say, thanks, but no thanks. That's okay because you've learned something and you just talk and chalk it up to that. You've learned something. You put something else in your toolbox that you might be able to pull out at another time. Those are things I think that people have to understand. And, and the other is just the reality that everything comes at a cost. There is nothing in life that's free. Everything comes at a cost. If you want to get to this level, you got to pay the cost. If you want to have work-life balance or more whatever you define as work-life balance, there's a cost to that. There's a cost to everything. And the question is, are you willing to pay the cost? And if you're not willing to pay the cost, then 
you you must not want it that bad. I mean, that, that, that's, and that's okay. Out. <laughs> and that's, and that's okay. okay. And it's okay. Not because what I tell folks, the, the higher you climb, the more expectation comes on you anyway. So mm-hmm. you've got to be ready for that. And to me, that's just preparing you for what comes at those higher levels in the organization, because then it becomes not just managing your own workload, but you're managing up and you're managing people below you. You have the whole scope of, of, of leadership that you're trying to, to, to manage and balance. And on top of that, all of your your personal desires that you have that you're still trying still trying to manage. It's it's not an easy balancing act. It really is not. And I tell folks, I I, I don't use the word work life balance because I just don't think there is such a thing. You just have to prioritize differently depending on what needs to get done at what time. You know, I, I just want to say if, for everyone who's listening, I, I want you to hear, you know, how, how Ms. Trimble's talking about this, and she's saying how much stuff is on the plate professionally, personally, the complex decisions that need to be made, all the data that's coming in, need to make a decision now because it's going to affect other people at the same time thinking about yourself. There is a lot on her plate and probably, I'm going to go out on a limb, if you want to stand out in front of her, help her with that. <laughs> like find ways, like you said, find right. ways to help and be of value Without even asking, just or maybe you can even ask, hey, how can I help you? No, don't don't wait to be asked. Oh my God, you know, can you help? like just be inquisitive? And again, she is one leader, but I promise you, every other leader in those roles are dealt with the same situation. I, I tell people, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be quiet. I don't want to be preaching. Um, I tell people that you got to remember that these executive leaders have so much on their plate um, professionally. Again, dealing with large, complex problems that, that money that impact that are tied to governments and counties and and legal issues and 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 people issues and so on and so forth, and they have families and they're human. They have bad days. They have someone who who gets sick in their family. They have financial challenges at times. They have like all those things they still have. So if you want to provide value of someone, just just. Find some way to lift something off of their plate. <laughs> exactly. You know, Alex, it's interesting that you say that. Earlier this year, um, I, suffer, I suffered a tremendous loss in my family. We lost my sister very suddenly. And she went through a, a very brief illness um, from February until to March. And I was in a position where I had a very strong team. And frankly speaking, I just, I just disconnected because, I, you know, obviously I had to. Yeah. But that team stepped up and they made my job and my life so much easier because I used to love the phrase that came from Olivia Pope on scandal. It was handled. She just, they just handled it. And that's where I knew that I had built a really high performing team because they were able to just keep things going and I didn't have to worry about it. That gives leaders confidence that you have the right people on your team. And if you aren't doing those types of things that your leader can just take a month off and not have to worry about things that are going what's going to happen or something's going to fall through the cracks or some something catastrophic is going to happen in, in your absence, then you don't have the right team in, in place. So that's another way to kind of gauge if you're truly ready for that next, that next level. If your executive is out, can you keep things going in that person's absence? And hey, they have the confidence to just be able to disconnect and know that it's going to be here. Um, I know uh, there's a lot of leaders right now and a lot of aspiring leaders who are listening to you right now saying, I'm not sure if I've been doing that. Um, and so for everyone who hasn't been doing it, I encourage you, I challenge you, boy, we open the door for you to start today. Don't wait till your next performance review or next year, the, the New Year's resolution. Don't, don't wait 
take action today. Do something today to figure out how you can add value, how you can prepare yourself to take on that new role and help your leader, your leader's leader, your leader's leader's leader, like find ways to contribute. Um, Madam, you have just been, again, I told, I told you everyone, this is why I was so excited to be here today. You, you know, I, I don't pump people up for no reason. You know what we're doing today. Look, Madam, is there anything you'd like to share with our audience as we begin to wrap up? The last thing I would probably leave folks with that we didn't talk about is we talk about getting ready for that next level of leadership. Mm. Be willing to take the risk. Step out on faith. Trust your trust your abilities. Trust your preparation. And don't say no to an opportunity that can be very impactful in helping you to get to that next step. And again, I know you, you kind of pushed back on this a little bit, but no, you do not have to have all the qualifications to be able to show what you're able to do at that next level. Start just adding it organically to your to your to your toolkit and that will help prepare you for that next level and knowing that there's i would say there's no such thing as failure you either learn from it you grow from it and you just learn not to do it again but it's never about a failure it's, it's how, what have you learned from that and you apply those learnings so that you're better positioned the next time you have an opportunity to step up so take the risk don't be afraid of failure and don't look at it as a failure look at it as a learning opportunity miss adrian you are you are phenomenal um, just, just thank you for everything you shared. Thank you for everything you are. Um, everyone, you know where I'm going with this. If you found anything of value from today's conversation, do us a favor. Don't just look back, reach back, bring someone else to the conversation. More importantly, bring the conversation to them. Click the likes, click the subscribe, you know, push this content. Cause if it, if, if, if it, hit you in a certain way that made you feel like you could be doing something different or better or growing, or you can be a, a higher level of yourself. And I promise you, your friend, your colleague, your family member who you share it with, it will do the same thing for them. So don't, don't just look back and say they should have been here. Reach back, bring this them to the content, bring the content to them. And, and I encourage everyone, oh, read the book Relationships That Work. It's out on Amazon today. I I just loved being here with you, madam. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. And I encourage all of you, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Executive Appeal with Alex Trumbull. I invite you to follow The Executive Appeal wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me, your host, Alex Trimble, across all socials or via email for exclusive webinars, courses, and speaking engagements on continued topics of executive leadership. So until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.